0: Dear fellow redeemed, we consider briefly our reading, especially from Isaiah chapter chapter 11, as well as our gospel reading from Matthew chapter 3. And if you look at Isaiah chapter 11, you'll you'll see two different names for Jesus, two different things that he is called. The shoot coming up from the stump of Jesse is the first one. And the image there is that, that God had promised that the family line of King David would be established and that if David had, had kept God's word and if David hadn't fallen into great and grievous sin, then he would have had a descendant to reign forever on the throne of Israel. But even though, even though King David had failed in that regard, God kept his promise And he said that there would be a descendant on the throne of David forever. The greater fulfillment, the greater thing that God had promised wasn't just a king on a literal physical throne in the nation of Israel, but the greater thing is that this descendant of David would reign forever on a throne over all of creation and reign forever as the head of his church and reign forever as the king of kings and lord of lords. And when you see that term, the, the, um, the very first part here from Isaiah uh, verse 1. A shoot will spring up from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The image is that this tree has been cut down completely, and yet there's one little sprig, one little shoot that comes up. And perhaps you've seen that. You know, you cut down a tree, and then you go back a year or two later, and it's all kind of growing back into a bush or into a tree of some sort. And that's the image that we have here. So much so that 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 word branch, nearly 150 years later, that would become a proper name for the coming Messiah. When Jeremiah and Ezekiel are writing about him, they talk about branch who is going to be coming. And we see with those words that God says that this Messiah is going to come from David's family. That he's going to be literally human, exactly in the same way that you or I are. Fully human, exactly as you or I are, except without sin. And of course, you and I know that it's possible to be fully human without sin, because Adam and Eve did not have sin before the fall, and yet they are truly human. And so this descendant from David's line would be a shoot from that stump. That the family tree would continue to grow and flourish with this one particular descendant, who is literally um, a descendant of King David. But then you get to the end of that section, and you you see the other um, the other name in verse ten. The peoples will see the will seek the root of Jesse, who will be standing like a banner for the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious. So which is it? Is he the the shoot that comes up or is he the root that was there before the tree even began? Is he the shoot that comes up from the stump of Jesse or is he the root, the one that gave life and vitality to that whole family tree? Shoot or root? And it ties in exactly with the work of Jesus that we hear about today in Isaiah chapter 11. And it actually ties in even with um, what our doctrine class had talked about this past uh, past week, this past Thursday evening. When we talk about the different characteristics of God, the different attributes of God, the things that God is, not just things that he does, but things that God is. And we think, for instance, that that God is, is far beyond anything that you or I could ever imagine that out far beyond where the james webb telescope can look god is there there's nothing so big that god is not bigger and also there's nothing so small that god is not smaller that god is there as well that even though he is out far light years upon billions of light years away at the same time he is he is close with his creation he is there and no matter how small of a subatomic particle we might find God is there too and that wherever God is he is active and he's doing something it's kind of like kind of like that when we see what God has said about himself that yes he knows all things he is omniscient he is present everywhere omnipresent and when when Isaiah writes for us that he is both the root and the shoot of Jesse what he's saying is that this Jesus that this Jesus is both God and man. And that everything that, that Jesus is as God, everything that God is, can be seen in the person of Jesus. And everything that is human about you or me is also seen in that person, Jesus Christ. He who is the shoot of Jesse is completely human, just like you or I, meaning that um, he has the ability to die. He is born under God's law, and yet everything that God is, is also there in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That he could say in in John chapter 3, for instance, that the Son of Man, talking about himself, the Son of Man is in heaven, because he didn't give up any of his divine attributes, simply because he took on human flesh. Okay, Pastor Hagen, so what? I think you lost me there. Possibly. Maybe I did. Because when we talk about Jesus being both shoot and root, when we talk about Jesus both being true man and true God, then we have to see that exactly what what Isaiah describes for us is rightly comforting and terrifying at the same time. He will be delighted with the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, nor will he render decisions based on what he hears with his ears. That the way Isaiah describes it, that Jesus, as judge of all, is going to exercise all the power and authority that God has, that all of that power and authority has been entrusted into his human, very human hands, because he is both God and man, And exactly as you might recall, um, when Jesus says that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, that includes the authority to judge. And that includes the ability to judge on the basis of what he knows as God, not just on what he sees with his eyes or what he hears from others say, which a merely human judge would have to use. He will be delighted with the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, or render decisions based on what he hears with his ears that is in the first place terrifying that no matter how many people you might fool in this life (laughs) you don't fool Jesus it is terrifying that no matter how good of a how good of a look and a facade you might keep up for the neighbor next door that Jesus sees right through it that no matter what you think you have kept hidden Jesus knows it. That it is terrifying that his standard for judgment isn't going to be um, playing favorites as if he was some judge with his hand out back and he's able to be paid off with just the right thing, just the right gift or bribe. And it's terrifying because the one who is both shoot and root has that same divine power to judge. And he uses all those divine attributes to act according to the fear of the Lord. He uses all the power that he has as God to carry out judgment in a way that is just and clear. Is that terrifying? Or is it possible that we've gotten so accustomed to this Jesus that he is so approachable, a little baby in a manger, and he has so many good things to say to us, and all we have to do is just, all right, pastor, five more minutes, and we'll get done with the law. To the point where it's not terrifying. Not because we are so familiar with this Jesus, but because we are so unfamiliar. And we have allowed ourselves to lapse into that unfamiliarity that says, well, Jesus doesn't really care. He paid for all my sins and I'll just get on with my life and we'll just figure it out in the end. That I've got all the opportunity to prepare my heart for Christmas and I've got all the opportunity to speak up to my loved one. But, you know, God is God of love, so let's not worry about it. At least not right now. Is it possible that we believe ourselves so familiar with Jesus that we breeze right past what Isaiah is saying and that the one who is both shoot and root will bring all of his divine justice and knowledge to bear against all the sin within my heart and yours and if that is not in the least bit terrifying then that in itself is rather scary as if As if the image of Christ in in Revelation would apply to us. The one who stands there as the Son of Man with the belt of truth around, around his waist. And the one who says to the lukewarm Christian, I spit you out. May that not be. Lord, let it not be so. And it's to you and to me that God sent John the Baptist. Well, I mean, yeah, John the Baptist lived 2,000 years ago. But he still speaks for you and for me. Because God sent him to a people who were very familiar with all that God had said. And were familiar to the point where they were able to to sit down and set aside that word of God. And put it out of their minds because they had contained within their own minds. They had what they considered their operating, operating system for life. The operating principles that they would use, and just enough knowledge about the Word of God to um, <laughs> to misuse it. And to those people, John the Baptist says, "The uh, the shoot and root is coming. Repent, because the kingdom of heaven is coming near." And when he saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming, he said, "You brood of vipers, offspring of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath?" Don't think of saying to yourselves that we have Abraham as our father, because the one who comes after me is mightier than I, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And if that's not a wake-up call, then read it again. If that's not a wake-up call from this guy who is a a lifelong Nazarite, a lifelong Nazarite who did not touch or eat any sort of grape or raisin or wine or juice for his entire life and the only other two lifelong Nazarites that we know of are uh, the Prophet Samuel or um, the other guy is Samson and so he never shaved his head he never had any sort of grape of any sort and by the time he's in his 30s his hair is probably down to his legs nearly and he's standing there clothed in camel's hair with um, with locust legs caught in his teeth and a little bit of wild honey stuck in his beard and he's saying, Repent. Repent. Wake up. Because this one who is coming, this one who is both root and shoot, he isn't coming to, to pat people on the head. He's coming to exercise all of his divine judgment. And today is the day to be prepared. Because he says, You know, this, this, this ma- Messiah is not here yet. Today is the day to be prepared to repent. To acknowledge openly, acknowledge before God or even to one another, I have sinned against heaven. I have sinned against you. Forgive me. To openly acknowledge before God or even to one another that I have I have taken your word for granted, and even though even though I can recite all the books of the Bible beginning to end, um, as far as consuming them the same way that I consume my television or I consume my daily bread, that doesn't factor into my life. And John the Baptist says, repent. Because the one who is both root and shoot wants to come and stand. He wants to come and stand in judgment, but he wants to come and stand as a banner for the peoples. That's where Isaiah goes. With righteousness, he will judge the poor. He will render fair decisions in favor of the oppressed on the earth. That this Jesus doesn't want to come and crush those He doesn't want to come and crush. He will come to set things straight. And God grant that that same attitude that we we all confessed at the beginning. I confess that I am by nature sinful, that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. That that same confession is something that is not just spoken, but it is also also a confession of the heart. A confession that gathers around the table and says, Lord, have mercy on, on me, on me too. A same confession that is exercised by seeing that this Jesus is the only one who can prepare me for his coming judgment. That this Jesus is the one who has promised that he is going to restore the Garden of Eden. And that even our youngest, I mean, you're you're reading through this. Like verse 8, the nursing child will play near a cobra's hole and the weaned child will put his hand into a viper's den. That sounds preposterous. That the little toddler is playing around outside and he found a little a den of snakes you know copperheads or whatever whatever uh, snake is native to around here maybe some timber rattlers and he reaches in and and grabs a handful out and starts playing with them that sounds preposterous but it's that exact reversal that the one who is both root and shoot will bring to you and to me It's that exact reversal that the one who is both root and shoot will bring on all creation and for you and for me. Because the one who is both root and shoot isn't going to use, he's going to use that human nature and divine nature in one person to set you free. To prepare you for the judgment. To be born as a human um, culpable and accountable to God's law. To be born as a human who is able to die. And yet, if he were only human, then that death would only count for himself, that he is at the same time completely God, the Son of God from eternity to eternity, the same God whose death now has infinite value, whose blood has infinite value, and whose, whose record against God's law is one of perfection and righteousness. And he says, dear Christian, dear friend, today is the day of repentance and turning turning away from all the distractions turning away from and admitting the inward and turning to the one who has promised in his word that you are righteous not for the the sake of just piddling along through the rest of our lives as though we just have this tiny little bucket of of bible facts and that's all we need to have but to to go through our life with joy And with an understanding that the one who comes as root and shoot to judge all people, he might be coming today, he might be coming in a hundred years, but realistically that doesn't matter to you and to me. Because the truth and the joy of what he brings means a new life with him now. And being prepared to live with him forever. And you could almost hear the sand crunch under John Baptist's sandals. And he looks up and he talks about the one whose winnowing shovel is in his hand. That is after they, they beat the grain and the wheat so that it separates the hull from the inner kernel. And they take the shovel and toss it in the air and the chaff blows away and the good seed falls down. And just after he talks like that, he says, look, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There is the Lamb of God who has prepared you for the judgment. There is the Lamb of God who still prepares you for the judgment. There is the Lamb of God who has walked not just a mile, but a lifetime in your sandals. There is the Lamb of God who has used all of his power and all of his attributes now to be a comfort for you, to guard and rule his church, to guide his people, and to say, you are prepared today. So use that word so that you don't miss out on the blessings that Jesus has won. Amen.